0: Welcome to the Nail Your Nutrition Podcast, a podcast focused on training for endurance activity. I'm Sarah, a registered dietitian and toddler mom in the Washington, D.C. area. I write the blog Bucketless Tummy and focus most of my work on running and endurance athletes, as well as merging the principles of sports nutrition with the principles of intuitive eating.
1: And I'm Marita, a sports dietitian and fellow toddler mom in Pensacola, Florida. I work with endurance athletes at my private practice, Eat to Compete. My goal is to help athletes learn to fuel their training with intuitive eating. We are two sports dietitians and moms here to break down the nutrition science to make training more fun and approachable for you. Whether you're a novice athlete, a weekend warrior, a mom trying to fit in a consistent exercise schedule, or a top finisher at big races, we want to help you understand the importance of fueling well. We're so glad to have you here and would appreciate you spreading the word or sharing this episode or podcast with a friend, family member, training partner, coworker, or anyone you would think would enjoy it. If you have a minute, please leave us a review wherever you subscribe to your podcasts as that really helps the show. Now let's get to today's episode.
0: We are so excited to bring you part two of our listener Q&A today. We're covering topics from intermittent fasting to individual protein needs for athletes to short-run nutrition to body image, a wide range. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on a future episode, hit us up on Instagram at Nail Your Nutrition or send us an email at NailYourNutritionCourse1 at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to leave us a typed review on your podcast listener of choice. That really helps the show And the best thing you can do is do that or share our podcast with a friend or training partner. As we head into the fall marathon season, don't forget to check out our last two episodes about Marathon Training 101. And if you'd like more nutrition information for your marathon training, check out our revamped Nail Your Nutrition course. We've got modules on intuitive eating, pre-run needs, recovery, triathlon, ultra endurance events, and more with handouts to go alongside and forever access for you. You can buy a few modules in bulk or buy the whole course. It will definitely help you meet your feeling needs and troubleshoot your problem areas. Let's get to today's
1: show. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Q&A Part 2, Your Questions Answered, and Sarah and I were just talking that a lot of them are kind of the same question, just phrased in a different way, but... We are super excited to answer these for you guys. And remember, if you have any other questions, shoot us an email at nailyournutritioncourse1 at gmail.com or find us on social media at nailyournutrition. So we are going to dive in. I think we have six or seven questions, so this will be a little bit of a shorter podcast. Sarah, do you want me to read off the first one? (laughs) Sure. Let's get started. Okay. This podcast, A questioner says, I don't like to eat before my morning run, but I've read that fasted running isn't ideal for women. Would you recommend eating prior to a run? And then this person adds that they are also afraid to gain weight by adding extra calories by eating before their run. And I'm sure you guys know that we've addressed this in some way or another, but we'll continue answering this.
0: Yes, a lot to unpack, especially with the gaining weight part because that would lead to probably a whole session or two with a client about – what is it about weight gain that's scary? And are we using exercise or running as a method to hope for losing weight? And are you enjoying running or is it more of a chore? There's a lot there. But in terms of not liking to eat before the morning run, I think we have to think about how we feel too. So even if we don't like something, that doesn't mean it's the end all be all. And if we're thinking about caring for our body and respecting it and helping it perform and recover better, oftentimes that Looks like eating food and eating more food. So, fasted running can work for shorter workouts. You know, if you're just doing like a short workout and assuming you had a balanced meal the night before and it hasn't been like 12 to 15 hours before you're since you last ate, yeah, go for a 30 minute run, maybe have some water beforehand, that's fine. But if you're getting to 45, 60 minutes and up, we would definitely recommend eating something. Um, Think about this fuel as helping that run and performance. If you're training and thinking about running for 60 minutes, why would you want it to go to waste if you're going to feel horrible with something that you could prevent just by getting some carbs in beforehand? So, Mm -hmm. and a whole other topic is the weight part, but eating before a run isn't going to just automatically translate to weight gain, right? Your body is smart and actually the more you're restricting, the slower your metabolism is and that could lead to weight gain in and of itself. So, I would really, really work on untangling gaining weight from eating for performance and think about fueling your workout because that is only going to help you, especially thinking about later in the day. You don't want to be dealing with constant incessant hunger or cravings just by something that could be minimized just by eating more regularly.
1: Right. Just to give like a real world example, I had a client who was struggling with this and she wouldn't eat anything before a run. And she would almost pass out after each long run. And so actually her coach contacted me asking if I would work with her because she felt so dizzy and sick after after all of her long runs especially, but some of her harder efforts as well. So we started with one bite of banana because she was super resistant to it. And she's like, oh, my stomach's going to hurt. I don't have time for that. I wake up at... 4am to work out. I don't have time to eat a whole breakfast. So we started with a bite of banana. We did that for a couple weeks and then half a banana did that for a couple weeks and then a whole banana slowly progressing. And she felt so much better. She PR'd and this lady was in her fifties. So she was crushing it and she, she couldn't believe the difference just eating a little bit before workouts, but especially before those long runs really helped. And again, she still didn't eat a whole huge meal before going out during her long runs, it was like a banana and then half of a bagel, right? So obviously, we would want you to eat more if you're attuned to that. But if you are really struggling with eating before, start really, really slow. Start with that bite of banana, maybe a handful of crackers. Graham crackers are a really good choice. Um, Another piece of fruit, even a glass of orange juice or apple juice. Sarah always talks about doing that. So something really small, And then always think about how you feel later. If you're eating a ton of calories later on in the day, then you're not going to, you know, be trying to lose weight that way. That's just going to make you feel really full later. And you're going to be feeling like, why do I crave so much sugar? Why do I crave so much carbs? That's why. It's Because you're not eating enough throughout the day to keep your hormones steady, keep your metabolism steady, keep you feeling good and healthy. Yes. And to echo Marita's point, it doesn't have to be
0: all or nothing. If you're not doing anything right now, a couple bites could make a difference in how you feel. And then that could be something that we would slowly increase from there. So always remember, it's never black and white. There is always this gray area. We are all about incremental changes. Yes, exactly. Okay, Marita, I like this question. Um, How do you talk to non-athletes about intuitive eating?
1: Well, I would say intuitive eating is for everybody. <laughs> I don't think it's at athlete all aimed towards… non-athlete.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> right. I don't think that the authors of intuitive eating had uh, sports in mind at all when they wrote it. So I would say that you can talk to any non-athlete the same way that you would talk to athletes about intuitive eating it, um Helps you build a better relationship with food. You are turning into your body's needs, your satisfaction factor, your fullness cues, all of that good stuff that helps you heal that relationship with the food that you've been eating and helps you realize what food you actually want to eat and not just what you should be eating, which is, I feel like, what athletes tend to focus on. I should be eating this many carbs. I should be eating this much protein, this much fat. And it helps you kind of take away all those restrictions and find what works for you and your body and your performance.
0: Yes, and I think non-athletes and athletes alike, we're all subject to the same forms of diet culture, right? So whether you're running 50 miles a week or you're in eating disorder recovery or you're just not following anything except a paleo diet, we are all subject to the same influences. Part of it is going to be how we curate our social media feed, or the people we hang out with, or our past history of dieting, right? But athletes, non-athletes alike, are both going to have to practice practical hunger, eating when we're not hungry sometimes, planning in advance, respecting our body. I think maybe one of the differences, at least what I can think of off the top of my head, is that in the athlete culture, depending on what sport you're doing, and and mostly endurance athletes might be focused on more aesthetic looks, thinking that thinner, smaller equals faster, which we know is not the case. We've debunked that before. But in that culture, that's just perpetuating the diet culture, eating less, thinking that you have to eat less to look a certain way. And in retrospect, non-athletes can see this too, right? If we're following certain influencers or someone's comparing themselves to another body, um, thinking they eat so much, but they're so small. But in terms of the athlete focus, I would see that as maybe a trigger more so than some of the other principles. So reminding yourself that when we're working with clients in intuitive eating, we're at least I I know I'm focusing on building the foundation first. I'm talking about what is diet culture? How has it affected you? What does your relationship with food look like? How can we focus on fueling you consistently? And then mm-hmm. after that, we're talking more about the sports nutrition piece, um, yeah. which I would, I would just talk about gentle nutrition if it were not an athlete. So I think a lot of the principles are very similar. Maybe some of the wording is different, but if you were looking to maybe talk to a friend or – a family member and try to introduce what intuitive eating is, whether they're an athlete or not, just talking about how it really is a way to get away from the robotic nature of following rigid meal plans or rules around food, diets mm-hmm. saying you have to eat less or certain foods are good at bat or good or bad, and instead just focusing on body and mind attunement, what sounds good at the time, what feels good in your body, what is going to help you enjoy life and food without hyper focusing on it so much
1: right food is such a big part of your life it shouldn't be so rigid yeah
0: yeah so that that was a good question let us know if you have more about that but hopefully that provides a little bit of insight
1: and if you are curious about intuitive eating and sports nutrition we do have a new module in our course all about intuitive eating that Sarah put together and it is excellent if I do say so myself so check that out if you have questions and want to learn more All right, number three. Full disclosure: Sarah and I had to do a little bit of research before this one because we this is kind of a new topic area for sports. uh, Fasted exercise, intermittent fasting is the new go-to right now for diets, and so we were like, "Oh, let's let's look into this a little bit before we take a stab at answering it." So, number three: How do men and women respond to fasted exercises? Exercise. Is, are there similarities, differences, and when eating before exercise is and isn't necessary? So again, going back to that, what do I have to eat before I go out for my long run?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think the necessary question here or necessary wording is interesting because yeah. it, it can always be necessary before exercise, depending on what you're mm-hmm. doing, especially if your goal is to PR or nail your workout, right? Like food yeah. would be necessary then. So just thinking about it that way. I think again, this, this idea of fasting, a lot of people are thinking about it as a way to lose weight or right. restrict calories. And that's not always the case. But if we talk about intermittent fasting, it's a big, big buzz term right now. And there's a lot of different ways you can do it, whether you're eating, eating certain hours of the day, or by days eating more, some days, less some days, I Carb really, cycling. yeah, yeah, I really just see it as a disordered way of looking at food. It's not something yeah, yeah I ever were you gonna say something weird? No, I
1: was just gonna say it's just another form of calorie restriction. It's right. that's all it is. It's just a diet in another another form of makeup.
0: And for athletes, we know that there's so much benefit to nutrient periodization mm-hmm. and really planning food strategically before or after a workout. Manipulating some of the macronutrients, maybe even some amino acids like leucine, things like that. And if you're following an intermittent fasting regimen, you're going to be really limited in the hours that you "quote unquote" allow yourself to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and recovery is going to be a lot harder for you. So I would just take this with a grain, take that with a grain of salt, salt knowing that first and foremost, it's not something that we would promote for endurance athletes. Right. But generally speaking, there are differences between men and women, and I think research will continue to unravel about this and how Stacey Sims always says women are not small men, and she's kind of pioneering a field in that. But I think just generally speaking, researchers are realizing, okay, we can't just manipulate results from men and think that women will have the same performance effects. Men, generally speaking, have a larger physical body size. There's more muscle. There's more testosterone. So they respond to fasting differently. They have a giant boost in metabolic rate. And that, right off the bat, is a huge difference. Many who I would say primarily, that's the demographic I'm working with, they have restricted and their metabolism, on the contrary, has slowed down due to that restriction. So less calories, their bodies are compensating by turning off different functions, whether it's losing a period or not recovering or feeling cold all the time, whatever that is, we are usually, our metabolic rates are decreasing.
1: Yeah. And I would say too, if you think about intermittent fasting and, and trying not to eat before a workout, you can guarantee that professional athletes and sub-elite elite runners are eating before they go out for a workout. So think about that. If you're trying to compare yourself to those people you follow on social media and you're thinking that, you know, I bet they're not eating and they're, they have a six pack and look how chiseled they are. Like we talked about with team boss in last week's episode, they are definitely eating before they go out because they know that that's going to affect their performance. So if you're like Sarah said, if you're trying to run for weight loss, it's probably not a good idea to put those two hand in hand. Cause a lot of people do end up gaining weight when they start to train more intensely because your body needs that extra fuel so I I know like the faster way to to fat loss I think that's what it is is super popular right now there's a couple people I follow that are doing it and even some of my friends and thinking like oh I just don't have to eat for 14 hours and I'll lose weight but I wouldn't want to skip breakfast I don't know about you Sarah I can't skip any meals (laughs) after
0: two hours my body's like you need some food
1: Exactly. Because your body is used to getting that food and that's how it right. keeps your and metabolism it's, And
0: it's up. just not that simple. Yep. Skipping meals isn't automatically going to translate to just weight loss. If, even if it does, you're losing muscle exactly. and there's a slew of other things going on yep. in your body that are probably more harmful than you realize.
1: Yeah. The first thing that your body gets at when it doesn't have any fuel is your muscle. Fat is like The last to go. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind, guys.
0: Yeah. And we'll just say we'll link the the International Society of Sports Nutrition journal that we are referencing here. But generally speaking, women don't respond to intermittent fasting like men do. So in hunter-gatherer societies, you think about, you know, back in the day, women's bodies responded to periods of scarcity differently. We are meant to survive. We want to really protect that energy in case we are going to reproduce. That's just how women's bodies are made differently. So when we don't have access to that food or we are restricting, remember, our bodies don't know if we're doing it consciously, unconsciously, if we're purposely restricting or if we really are lost in the woods and we just don't have access to food. It's going to react the same way. Our metabolism is going to slow down to conserve that energy and store Mm -hmm. fat, not burn it, store fat so we can survive this potentially long famine that it thinks it's going to happen. So if we translate that piece into the research today, intermittent fasting is just not going to perform well, if we're thinking about performance and all the other aspects of I haven't even talked about how glucose is really going to support our brain. So you're just not going to feel well, you're not going to think well, and performance is not going to increase for you if that's a goal.
1: And remember, too, that as women, we have more fat than men, just like Sarah said, just for reproduction. So just the general differences in men, women tend to hold more fat in our abdomen to prep for childbearing, whereas men might have it elsewhere. That's that's just genetics. There's nothing we can do about it. So when women come to me, and they're like, I want to lose my stomach. And it's like, well, you can't spot reduce fat. And also, it's supposed to be there. That's how our bodies are meant to right. be Right. There's made. a lot of...
0: There's a lot of body image that is worked into this too. And I think Marita will agree that we interweave into our one-on-one sessions with clients. And the last thing I'll say about this topic is just when you think about maybe there's the lure of intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it is that's new because people are just going to keep recycling different diets, maybe put a new name on them. Is this something you can maintain long-term? That's something that you should always ask yourself. Can you imagine five years down the road, maybe at that point, maybe you want to be a mom or maybe you're already a mom and you think about your kids watching you follow these rigid structures and they're asking, mom, can you have a snack with me? And you're saying, no, it's not in my time allotment for eating. So go have a snack by yourself. Peace out. It's just it's really hard to think about these things as maintenance in life and improving the quality of your life. And and mental health is a huge part of that.
1: One thing I will say just to, to wrap up is that having some period of not eating is beneficial for aging because it gives your cells a break. But we're talking like eight hours. So the time that you're, you're already safe, doing. Right. That's not necessarily right. that you're already doing. Right. So it is good for aging. So if you're worried about that, but but truly we obviously need more research with just women, but I think you can see that Sarah and I agree that intermittent fasting is probably not the best if you are an endurance athlete. Yes.
0: Okay. Hope that was helpful. Yeah. We might touch on this more in the future because I think we're going to continue to get questions about it.
1: Right. And to go along with that, our next question. <laughs> if you aren't hungry before exercising in the morning right when you wake up, should you eat? I would say, again, like, like with most things in nutrition, it depends, which I know people don't like to hear, but it depends on what kind of run, what kind of workout you're doing, what you ate the night before, what your day looks like. Again, I would say if you're not hungry and you feel like you can only rush out the door and that's only, the only amount of time you have to get in that workout, which I can totally relate to. Again, have have some liquid calories because then you're getting some hydration in there as well. So orange juice, maybe with less pulp. So you're getting a little less fiber there some apple juice, half a banana. That's what I always, that's my go-to for when I have to run out the door, a banana or half a banana. Um, If I'm like, let me take a bite of this and then <laughs> put on my shoes and go kind of a situation. It's just something super simple. An applesauce, like one of those little um go squeeze packets. Those are becoming really popular in the endurance world. Something super simple and easy, but yes, I would say if you're going to be running more than 35 minutes, try to get something. And it's only going to benefit you. Those, what, 100 150 calories that's not going to be a detriment to your day that's not going to cause you to gain weight it's going to make you have a better run which is probably what you're going for right
0: and I think with this question there's this idea of perfect quote-unquote intuitive eating being like you always have to listen to your hunger and fullness and I just want to remind you that this is actually probably something I would layer on after building a foundation with clients because usually I'm working with them on reestablishing what hunger feels like like they don't feel hungry. And that's usually from a period of restriction or stress or just not being able to tune into symptoms other than physical hunger. But it is okay to eat when you're not hungry. And I want to normalize that. You may not feel hungry in the morning and that's because you've been sleeping all night and your body's not used to it. But it can be a good practice to still eat when you're not hungry because A, we want to normalize that. For sport, we have to eat when we're not hungry often. That's, that's kind of something that just goes along with it when you're thinking about recovery and everything. So I have a free hunger scale for athletes that really talks about even if you're a two or a three on the hunger scale, um, you're really hungry or you're a five, not so hungry, but you're doing a workout in an hour. It kind of breaks down what that looks like in terms of food. So I'll link that here. You can grab it for free and hopefully that can help. Just a quick break with two action items for you today. Firstly, don't forget to join our free Facebook group, Nutrition for Runners. Come hang out at our monthly chats and join a like-minded group of endurance athletes just like you. Search Nutrition for Runners on Facebook or check out the link in the show notes. Secondly, please consider supporting the podcast. Marita and I both have two kids and other responsibilities on our plate, but we definitely enjoy putting out this free content for you. If you would, consider supporting us on Patreon. For just 3 to $5 a month, you can make a difference and help us continue to put out this content for you. Plus, you'll get a name shout out in a future episode. Yep, we're going to thank you publicly. Early access to episodes, exclusive content and downloads, and more. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, any tips for accepting a changing body for the better with intuitive eating, aka how to get out of the smaller is better mindset?
1: This is this is such a loaded one. <laughs> I feel like yeah. Um, yeah, I would say some questions to ask yourself. Is this body that you're in really serving you right now? Think about what it may t- what it takes to maintain a smaller body. Is that worth it to you? Like Sarah talked about earlier, are you going to say to your kiddo if you're doing intermittent fasting to try and get to this smaller body? No, sorry mommy can't have a snack with you right now because I'm still <laughs> waiting for my time to eat. Like Or are you never going to have birthday cake again because you're going keto? Things like that. So we unfortunately don't have research showing that a smaller body equals a faster or better performance. Yes, the people you see, you know, in the Olympics or track and field, they do have smaller bodies. I, I can guarantee a lot of that is just probably genetics, right? But we know that having a smaller body, trying to diet while you're, Trying to have performance gains can be detrimental, um, especially in terms of things like injuries, poor metabolism, uh, abbreviated recovery, less brain space, because you're constantly thinking, "How can I lose weight? How can I, how can I be smaller? How, how can I get in my six mile or run, six mile run so that I can lose more weight?" Those kinds of things, poor cardiovascular health, poor bone health, poor quality of life. we we've, we've covered all of this. In our 40 plus podcast episodes, you guys are familiar with this. And I know it's really hard to wrap your head around that, but small does not always equal faster or better. Um, I, I would encourage you to think about what your goals are. If you're, again, like I said earlier, if your goals are to lose weight, you probably don't want to go into a marathon season. That's probably going to mess with your head a little bit. So think about. Think about your values and what your, what your goals are. I'll link
0: are. Uh, something in the show notes called Poodle Science. It's a really good YouTube video. And it really, just if I had to summarize it, it talks about how all dogs are different. Like you wouldn't is- expect a mm-hmm. Mastiff to look like a poodle. They're just made differently. Their size is different. Their temperament is different. Their demeanor is different. And same with a golden doodle. I mean, and... Uh, well, I guess a golden doodle and lab are both really friendly, but they look different. Sometimes the fur is (laughs) curly and some is straight. That's just the way our bodies are genetically made up. We are not all supposed to look the same. So that can be a really good just learning lesson to kind of accept. And it's it's the same. Another one I use with clients is you wouldn't expect someone with a size nine shoe to fit into a size six shoe. How uncomfortable would that be? You can't you can't change your shoe size. And I think diet culture gives us this enticing idea that we can change our body size, but the research, and we've talked about this before in our episode titled by diets don't work. The research is not in that favor. It shows that usually intense restriction leads to more weight gain than possible. So a lot of this is just body acceptance. And we'll also link some helpful Instagram accounts here. So if you are following maybe people that are more triggering to you, we would suggest curating your social media feeds, seeing different sized bodies and how you can achieve that. We'll, we'll link some of the ones that we like in the show notes. Yeah, for sure.
1: There's quite a few out there, which is, yeah. which is a breath of fresh and air. And I
0: think like sure. sometimes body liberation or body positivity makes it seem like you have to love your body all the time. And, I don't love right. my body every day. I don't I don't know about you, Marita. It's completely no. normal to not feel that mm-hmm. way, but a lot of people just talk about yeah. can you respect it or even can you accept it? Can you accept it? And that's mm-hmm. that's a step forward yeah. than just rejecting it or hating it all the time.
1: Right. Think about what your body has done for you even if it's like, well, my legs carried me through my 5-mile run or hey, I was able to, you know, Deadlift fifty pounds today—that kind of a thing. And even if you're, you're thinking, like, man, I wish my stomach looked different, it's okay to to not fully love one hundred percent your body, but to find things about it that you love, and that does help. And mm-hmm. like It does go a long way. Yeah, I can attest to that after <laughs> having a second child oh, and totally. things just. I'm different. With you. Yeah, <laughs> postpartum
0: is a whole yeah. different ball game, and <laughs> I've had to practice a lot of
1: these body affirmations and just reframing mm-hmm. of thoughts.
0: We are—we're human too. We're right there with you.
1: Yeah. Bodies Mm -hmm. are meant to change. So keep that in mind. All right. Next question. We get this a lot and I really like this one because there's actually Mm -hmm. some good new research on it. So how much protein do runners really need? I see a wide range of recommendations.
0: Rita, you are our protein guru. So tell us (laughs) why it's a lot higher than the standard 0.8 grams
1: per kilogram of body weight. Yeah. So the, the general consensus for a long time for endurance athletes was 0.8 grams per kilogram of your body weight. So to find how many kilograms you weigh, you can always just type it into Google, or you can divide your weight in pounds by 2.2, and then that'll give you how many kilograms you are. So new research has come out showing that endurance athletes need almost as much as bodybuilders. So somewhere in the range of 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram, and that again that really depends on your training your goals your gender your specific diet all of that fun stuff but we need more protein because our body demands more recovery and it needs to help those muscles come back together after you've been tearing 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 them apart during your workouts and then they they kind of knit back together that's how muscle growth and Um, reconstruction works. And that requires more protein. So yes, you need to be having more protein in your diet as an endurance athlete. And you might be thinking like, oh my gosh, you're telling me I need all these carbs. I need to have more protein. I need to have my fat in there and all that other fun stuff. But it's just making sure that you're getting protein at each meal every snack you don't have to like measure it all out i'm not asking you to get a scale and measure out your chicken or anything crazy like that it's just making sure that every time you eat you're getting at least some form of protein in order to help you with recovery and repair and rebuilding those muscles and making sure that you're going to get on, on get out on the road without an injury and without those muscles feeling terrible the next day. So somewhere in the 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram range. And again, if you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what that means. You know, you can take our course. We have a whole protein module. You can work with a sports dietitian and they can help you with that. And there's, there's many different things that, that can help you learn, um, how much protein you need. I really like visuals too. That's what I used to use when I worked, um, at the Air Force Base because, <laughs> Military guys are all about protein. Um, I, You know, if you think about, I think we talked about this in a previous episode, like your palm is about three ounces of, of meat or chicken or fish, um, any other kind of poultry, or your thumb is about one ounce. So use that for like cheese, that kind of thing. So you can easily Google like protein visuals or um hand models for protein, that kind of a thing. And that, that does help. I
0: totally agree, Marita. I'm all about visuals and, and same, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, at least the clients I'm working with, we're not hyper-focusing on numbers. I may say like for some of the more intense ones, we're almost aiming, aiming for a gram up to a gram per pound of body weight, but we're not talking about numbers. We're mostly like Marita said, talking about, well, how can we incorporate it more in snacks and how can we really utilize and take advantage of the post-workout window. But again, protein is important, but carbs are important too. So it really is a delicate balance where working with someone who has that knowledge to help break that down for you and make sure you're getting the right range can be helpful. Yep, exactly. Okay, and our last question for for this round of QA. So I'm eating more to fuel my running, but it's super challenging mentally. My body feels like it's changing. I do struggle a bit with body dysmorphia. How do you keep eating when your mind is saying that isn't right? So again, this question kind of speaks to some things that we've already talked about today. So again, I do want to have empathy for this question, but I hope if anything, this question makes you feel a lot of people feel this way. It's not just you. We, we are getting tons of these questions by the day. So a lot of you are in the same boat. So first off, I would just remind yourself of your ultimate goals. Is your ultimate goal to complete a marathon or is it to be in a smaller body? And if it's to be in a smaller body, how is that going to change your life? Are people going to like you more? No, that's, that's probably not the case. You know, is it going to make you smarter? No, you know, you really have to get blunt with it. And really, I recommend my clients do some journaling around this. They're often working with a therapist in conjunction, when working with me, because this is hard stuff, right? This is just at some point along the way, we have been told that our bodies are not good enough as they are, which is really sad and frustrating when you think about it. You know, like, if you break it down that way, it's super frustrating, and you have every right to just get really mad at diet culture and this culture that's told you that you're not worthy as you are.
1: I want to also add, just from again, being in the military world and trying to put on muscle and lose weight, you might be putting on muscle. If you're eating more frequently and you're working out and you're not seeing a change on the scale, which please throw out your scale. But if you're looking at the scale and you're like, why am I gaining weight? What's going on? My clothes fit a little differently. You, you might be putting on muscle. So so keep that in mind. Um, I, always like, I always recommend having people doing like either a bod pod or an in-body, like an actual body composition. If they're like really, really struggling and they want to – kind of get this mentality out of their head of like, I don't know how to eat more because that's actually going to tell you how many calories you need per day. And it's probably going to be more than you think. And again, we're not promoting calorie counting by any means, but that just kind of gives you when you're trying to get out of that mentality of calorie counting, that gives you that idea of like, oh. I do actually need more than that 1200 calories that diet culture has slammed into me that I need. Right. Cause those numbers are al- almost always higher. I can guarantee you. I've, I've like never seen a number under 1200 for someone and that's like their baseline. So then that that's like actual science data in front of you. Right. Instead of someone just telling you, no, you need more. So if that's going to help you like something a little more solid and tangible to have that, I would, I would go and do that and just see because you might be putting on muscle and you might not even know it because when you eat more, you're feeding those muscles. So that might, that might be something to look into. Um, Again, it's like the in-body composition or a bod pod, if that's something that you're interested in doing. And
0: I also always tell my clients, like, just try it. Like, what is it? What's, what's the benefit here? What if you feel differently? I know it can be scary to work on eating more when we're only thinking about numbers, but food is not numbers, you all. Food is so much more than numbers. And if you were to try eating before a run, what would that look like? How would you feel? Do you think you could go further and harder? Do you think that your recovery would be better and maybe you might feel less hungry throughout the day? I mean, there's so much to be said about even just experimenting. And you can feel scared and do it at the same time. So our minds are super cool. They can do more than one thing at once. So I always just pose that to my clients, like, what would it look like to just experiment, even if you're scared and really tune into how it feels? Because if it does really help you feel differently, that can make the process easier, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love that message. And I think that's a really good place to stop. Yeah.
0: Thank you for submitting all of your questions. We'll plan on doing these, I don't know, maybe once a quarter or so. Mm -hmm. So depending on how many questions we get, but continue to submit them. You can DM us on Instagram. If you're in our course or our Facebook group, we always kind of put out some questions or when ask for some questions there, or you can always, like Marita said, email us at nailyournutritioncourse1 at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone.
1: Talk to you next time. That wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review so others can find it more easily. You can also stay in touch with us by joining our Facebook group, Nutrition for Runners. If you have any requests for future episode topics and more, email us at nailyournutritioncourse1 at gmail.com. Happy fueling!